Welcome to Open to Explore, the FBC Athens podcast featuring conversations exploring the intersection of faith and life. This episode features the second sermon in our Let's Talk 2020 series, Who Does God Love? Joel Snyder, in his sermon, invites us to consider who God loves and how this informs who we are to love. of funerals across the years and I have done over performed over 500 funerals and there, there is not a single funeral I have a record for where someone requested a reading from the book of Deuteronomy and I don't recall anyone ever telling me that their favorite Bible verse comes from Deuteronomy which probably doesn't sound shocking to you, but the book of Deuteronomy and the theology, the the system of understanding how we relate to God that is contained in that book is one of the two most important strains of thought about our relationship to God in the Old Testament. It carries the story from Deuteronomy through Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings. I mean, it goes from Moses with the people coming out of Egypt all the way to the last descendant of David who gives up his throne when the kingdom is destroyed. And the theology of those books is all the same. And it's a very simple theology to explain. It is this. If you obey God, you will be blessed. And you will be blessed with wealth and health and a good life. And if you disobey God, ruin is yours. And you can see traces of it in the proverb that Emily read for us just a little while ago. And they believe that if you wanted to know how a person standing with God is, Simply look at their life. Are they wealthy? Good standing. That's a good person. Because God loves the wealthy. He loves their goodness, and so the the wealth is an indication of God's love. And we experience this often at a time like Thanksgiving. We count our many blessings, and we think about what we have. And we will count health and family and friends, but we also think about, you know, the lake house is not bad either as a blessing from God. And uh, so we tend to somehow assume that whatever richness we have in this life, it is a part of the fact that God has loved us and blessed us. And you can see echoes of this in the book of Job. The book of Job, Job's life is in ruins and he has three supposed friends who come and sit down and say you have clearly sinned against God or your life wouldn't have taken this turn so just confess your sin and get it over with and Job says no the world is broken God has gone away and, and because I should not be in this condition I have been a righteous person 
in John chapter 9. The disciples see a man born blind, and they say, Master, who sinned that this man was born blind? There is no explanation for his circumstance in life other than sin. God loves people who obey. You can tell it by what they have. And God uh, lets ruin come upon people who don't obey, and you can see it by their low estate. Now the second great influence in the Old Testament are the prophets. And the prophets have seen enough um, wicked wealthy to call into question this whole line of thought that spins out of Deuteronomy. As a matter of fact, the wealthy are often their targets for their sharpest criticism. Amos, who must have been great fun at a party, <laughs> calls the wealthy women of northern Israel, you can look it up, the fat cows of Bashan. And I can assure you there is no culture on earth where that is a compliment. <laughs> Micah. Well, let me back up and say, and he says that to them because they lay burdens on the poor. Micah, and the passage that guides this whole series, what does the Lord require? Do justice. Within three verses, he is talking about the violence of the wealthy. And the prophets begin to speak of a great reversal. There is a great reversal coming, a day when the poor will be lifted. The poor will be lifted and the wealthy will go away without. And you hear this in the Song of Mary when she receives the word that she will be the mother of the Messiah. Among the words she sings, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. And I wonder if she didn't sing that to Jesus in the cradle because in the Gospel of Luke when he preaches the equivalent of the Sermon on the Mount, he doesn't say, Blessed are you, the poor in spirit. He says, blessed are you poor. And not only does he say that, but he couples it in just a few verses with a woe to you who are rich. And in the prophetic tradition, God loves the poor. And so we, we come, I mean, are these not both scriptures? Are these not both in the Bible? I mean, how do we weigh these against each other? Does God favor the wealthy? I heard a quote one time that says, everyone thinks God is on their side. The wealthy know he is. And then we read something like the meditation text today, which talks about a God who does not side with the poor would be cruel. Who does God And I think Janet, dead on the money, 
when she said in the children's message, God loves us all. God does indeed love us all. But I think the way that God leans toward the poor is like a parent who has a child with a particular need. And sometimes the, if you have multiple children uh, in a family, kids will say, well, you love this one better. No, but this one has a need that I have to attend to. I don't have to, I don't have to provide the same resources for you. You can make your own way. This child, who whatever this need may be, needs help. And I do think we read scripture wrong if we don't understand God has that bend towards concern for the poor. Now when we conceive the series, you know, I thought, okay, who does God love? Because there's verses that talk about loving the rich and loving the poor, and it's clear God loves us all. Maybe it might work to talk about what pleases God. Whether we are rich or poor, surely there are some things we do that are more pleasing to God than the thing, other things we do. And so uh, here are three things that I think it pleases God for us to remember when it comes to money. First, it's all God's. It is all God's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means the earth and everything on it and in it belongs to God. Anything I have is on loan. Anything that I have is mine to take care of on behalf of God. We are all called to be stewards. We are all called to be responsible for what we have, understanding that we are caring for what God has entrusted to us, not what is ours. And so a second thing that spins out of this that pleases God is to remember where we got everything. And uh, I will turn to the book of Deuteronomy in a passage that practically needs no interpretation whatsoever. But this is to the people right before they're going to cross over into the promised land, the land flowing of milk and honey, a land where they're going to have so much stuff. God says, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping the commandments and the rules and statutes which I command to you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live within them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the hand of Egypt, out of the land of Egypt and the house of slavery who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, 
For it is God who gives you power to get wealth, that God may confirm the covenant he swore to your fathers as it is today. And if you forget the Lord your God and go and serve other gods, I solemnly warn you, you will perish. Remember, God gave it all to us. And I will tell you this, I think it is much easier to remember our dependence on God when we pray the Lord's Prayer and the part about give us this day our daily bread is really about daily bread. If you don't know where food's coming from, your sense of dependence upon God is different than if the pantry is full. And remember this. Giving is in the DNA of God. And God expects us to be generous with whatever has been entrusted to us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And he extends blessing to the widow who gives a mite, and he extends praise to Zacchaeus, whose life is transformed by conversion, and it includes the way that he looks at his wealth. It's not the same anymore. God expects us to be generous and not to fool ourselves by thinking we are generous. In Les Miserables, there's a great scene in the opening where the old uh, miser uh, is giving alms to the poor, and Hugo says he was, and there he goes, buying a penny's worth of heaven. God expects us to take what has been entrusted to us, no matter how much or how little, be generous. Now, as of yet, I've really not mentioned justice. And I'll hope that you heard last week and throw back to that for a moment. Justice in a nation is the closest approximation the laws can come to reflecting what looks like love between people. The more it looks like love, the closer it is justice. So now I want to give you, remember that while I give you this childhood image. When you were young, someone would challenge you to a race. And they were older, or they were bigger, or they were definitely faster, and you knew it was a losing proposition. And you said, no, it won't be fair. And they said to you, I'll give you a head start. And you thought, all right, they're going to give me a head start. I might actually win. And there is something instinctive in the human soul that when we give a head start, we know exactly how much to give and not lose. Did anybody who ever gave you a head start lose to you? I don't ever remember one. And I don't ever remember giving a head start where I intended to lose. 
And if you ever did win, you never got a head start again. Now, if the race is to a decent future, a decent future, not necessarily. Well, just I'm just talking about a life worth having for you and whatever family you may have. And if the race includes child of a tenant farmer from the Delta of Mississippi and the child of a coal miner from Appalachia and the child from the projects in any inner city and one of our children. What kind of head start do those other three need to have a chance be in the race to a decent future. And what do they need to make it a fair race? And somewhere around in there is justice. What would the people of God who are stewards of what God has given, who remember where everything they came, they have, wherever they remember where it came from. And if they remember to be generous, what kind of nation, what kind of laws would their nation have? What would look like fairness? And that would be justice. Thank you for listening to Open to Explore, the FBC Athens podcast featuring conversations at the intersection of faith and life. Coming in December is a daily podcast featuring devotions for Advent. 